Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right. Today we are joined by a special guest, uh, someone who I had the privilege of playing with in Sweden. Um, you know, I like to say that we're we're league champs in, in Europe for for league all champs, those out right. there. Legendary. Um, now he's playing for Detroit City. He's been there for a few years. Goalkeeper, accountant, father, husband. Husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I just wanted to make yeah. sure I forget. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget on the Instagram post. But yes, um, all that, so much more. We have Nate Steinwasher with us today. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. I mean, uh, he's he said he's listened to a few, so hopefully he's he's ready for us to uh give you the hard hitting questions. Yeah, just grill me with questions here the whole time. <laughs> We're gonna start um just with life as a goalkeeper because as field players, um it's just a bit different in terms of training and in terms of how you're involved in the game, in terms of a lot of things. I think um, Crouch said it in one of his podcasts, Peter Crouch was like, the, the keepers just go out and then you don't see them for a while and then they come back and you're just wondering what yeah. they're doing. So you don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You just don't know what they're doing. I mean, you guys are, I don't want to say a different breed, but in a way you kind of have to be because it's just a different way to approach the game. So, I mean, I guess let's start with, um, the training, because usually there's one, two, three keepers, right? And you guys have to have a good relationship, but you're also battling for that spot. Right. So, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Back real quick, back to your point. I've had a teammate say I'm not even like a soccer player in some instances. Like, oh, you're just you're just going to knock it around. I don't know what it, what you're even doing, but no, I've seen Nate. Awesome. I've seen Nate in Rondo and trust me, he can, he holds yeah, his I, own oh, in Rondo. Love, you wouldn't love know. a good Rondo. You know, that's, that's like, it depends on the team and depends on the coach, whether or not you're involved in Rondo. And that's, that's like one thing I really like to be involved in, but I've been in a lot of situations where like before training even starts, like, no, you're go with the goalie coach. You're going to warm up. You're going to do everything with the goalie coach. So I'm like, ah, oh, I could have used a good Rondo session today. A little warm up. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Like I said, depending on the coach and the, the environment is like that determines when your goalie part starts, I guess you could say, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely different. Like the, the relationship you have with the coach and the other goalkeepers is, like you, you're all really close because I mean, it's just you guys for at least 30 minutes a day, um, working on your craft and yeah, it, as a, as a first or as a second, like the, I guess, um, how you approach it is different. Um, I've been in situations when I've been a backup and it's like, you want to do your best and you want to try to beat out the guy, but then you have to accept that you're not going to. So then it's like, how do we prepare the number one as much as we can for mm. the weekend or for, mm -hmm. you know, the game. So it's, you're a team. And that's what, like, I guess that's, what's probably different in the training environment than maybe you see like with the rest of the field players is like, all these guys are always fighting for a spot. And, you know, there might be, I don't know, six or seven guys that are all on like the eight to 11 bubble whether or not they're going to get on the roster and you might have you know your number one keeper that's kind of set in for the season 
Um, so then it's like everyone else is there just to help you or help that guy. And um, like I said, I've been on both sides of it. And as long as you kind of keep that relationship with the guys in your core, um, I think I think it's it's fun. Like mm. we just we're all crazy. Like we are a different breed. Like we are a different <laughs> breed. It. Like we're crazy. And the things we do in training are probably different than what field players would ever think. I mean, I've had field players look at us while they're doing their jog around, and at the end, they, I mean, I've had some stop me and be like, what the, what were you doing? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's goalie training, man. We're just, we're just having fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Like your boys with everyone that you're training with day mm-hmm. in, day out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, like, it's all about getting whoever's playing on the weekend. It's all about getting that person ready for what they're mm-hmm. going to see. Um, and however that team plays. So it's all in all, I mean, it's, it's a great environment. So it's another interesting thing, because if you ask, it depends on who you ask and who's going to be honest with you and who's feels this way. I've talked to guys before where if you're the guy on the bench, the person who's in front of you, yeah. you want him to perform badly. It's kind of like that question that no one really likes to speak about and i want to ask you essentially no, you how you ask feel me. about yeah because like i think i think tim howard's kind of spoke about it before too um okay. but i've heard a lot of keepers speak about like the situation and um especially when like you know you just need that one opportunity to show yourself mm-hmm. and it's like ah you know and not saying you're better than the other guy or not saying that like the guy's not as good as you it's like it's just everyone wants their opportunity and it, it's tough. It's tough sitting there and seeing the keeper in front of you. I mean, seeing them play badly, it's not fun because it's like, it, that hurts the team. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, you might get your opportunity. And then when you see the guy play really well, it's so, it, it's not, it's not the same as you playing, but at the same time, like, again, like I said, it's like, you're a team. So you play, you see them play well. And it's like, it's so rewarding for you as a second keeper as well, because like, you know, you played a part in that. Okay. Yeah. I see. So so it's like, yes, it's, it's tough, but I mean, as long as you can get to the point where like you accept what the situation is as a goalkeeper, because it's such a unique environment and like unique situation with only one playing versus, Mm -hmm. you know, you got 20 field players and 10 of them are going to play. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's rewarding when the, the goalkeeper does well. But at the same time, all that being said, it's like when you get your chance, yeah, you, you, you're gonna you're gonna take it as quick it's as that, you can. So it's that classic. I wish there's like, I wish we win four three, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's like there's we still win. Everyone is happy, but like, okay, there's room for improvement on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. All that being said, I'll be honest. I've had my moments when I've been sitting there and I've been like, ah. You could have let that one in. I could have went out there. No, yeah. but but it's all yeah. I think it's only natural to feel like, especially if you're a confident player, to feel like okay, I could do better in this in this position. But I mean, like you said, it's I guess the important thing is is knowing that the role of a teammate, especially as a keeper, is to make sure that keeper spot, whoever's in it, is the best come game day. So, right. I mean, how do you approach that? Um, just mentally like staying in day by day, you know, training by training when you are number two, is that, was that very difficult for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. Cause it, you know, you, 
you know, you're, you're training all week, but at the same time, like you, you, you're just getting someone else ready for the weekend. So it's not like you're personally, you're not building up to something. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, but again, it's, it's just keeping like the training environment real. And, you know, you're, you might be serving a few more balls than you are, you know, taking the reps mm -hmm. as a keeper, but mm -hmm. you're going to do your best to score on that keeper because you want him to be better. And if you can score, then someone else is going to score on them in the weekend. So yeah. it's all mm -hmm. about, you know, finding that medium and um, just like creating the best environment possible. And, you know, all us goalkeepers, we like our days as strikers as well. So when we get a chance to knock a couple in, we're going to knock a couple in. So that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. You guys are all the, you guys are all the same when it comes to that, especially when you get when you join in on the uh, the six v sixes or the five v fives. You can tell a keeper was waiting for his moment. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're the first ones to go play forward. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, Nate, how did how did you how did you uh, have the idea to become a goalie? Were you a field player first and oh, then transitioned yeah. to goalie, or was it was a, a, a calling? I was a field player. Um, I liked playing the six a lot. I was like 10, 11 I can tell, years old. Yeah. I was playing the six and then you know, I started gaining a little weight. So they put me back at like center back and right back and I couldn't really run too much. Um, and it's a funny, like not funny story. It just kind of the, everything kind of aligned for me to play goalie. Um, but the goalie that was on my team, we were 11 years old. He actually had a heart murmur. So he had like to get heart surgery I mean, he's like one of my really good friends to this day. So like, wow. Every time we get together, he's all, he always mentions it. Like I started your career. <laughs> he's like, which is great because like, it wasn't, it wasn't the, you know, it was, it was tough. Like seeing him go for heart surgery and no one really knew who was going to play goalie. And I was, you know, the least fit one on the team, honestly. And I was just like, I'll give it a shot. And mm -hmm. I actually, I mean, they liked me playing goalie better than they liked the goalie previous. So the goalie previous came back, I think like six months later. Um, and they, everyone was just like, yeah, you're, you're going to play the field now because Nate's going to play goalie. So it was like, I think I was 11 or maybe just turned 12 from then on. I was, I was goalie for life. So yeah, it's stuck with it. Um, yeah. And then it, funny story too, I, in high school, um, I went to high school tryouts and there was a goalie the same year as me and, you know, high school soccer, it's whoever can play. We were fortunate to have, there were three keepers that were at a good enough level to play high school soccer. And I ended up playing center back my high school years. So I'd play wow. center back in high school and then we'd go in the spring when you go with your club teams. That's crazy. I, I wonder if there's any like, I mean, just thinking of like other professionals, like your fellow professionals that are like in Europe or something like this, who was playing center back at that age, 17, yeah. 18, and then is playing keeper yeah, years 17, later. 18 years old. I, it, yeah, it was, it, I just, and you know, like that's definitely what has helped like my feet develop. Um, like the one thing, that I always say to like young keepers is like, don't, don't pick your position as a goalkeeper and just stay there. Like you need to, you need to play the field at some point just because it helps you kind of analyze the game and read the game right. a little better. Right. So 
and I mean, your feet, if you, you have good feet as a keeper, that kind of can accelerate your career even more. So yeah, it was, it was kind of wild, like looking back, um, that was playing center back at 18 years old, but it was a blessing in disguise for sure. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, like I said, um, from our time in Sweden, you could, you could see, uh, Nate from Rondo's and then you could see, I mean, you mentioned you'd like to play the six and I could see that too, just from the ability to spray and play those long balls and stuff like that. Do you find anything in your game that you still see as a weak, as a weakness and something that you really want to, you know, work on? Uh, there's always something. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I, I think it really like, it really varies every six months. There's always something like maybe, maybe, I take a few more reps, crosses, um, a few more crosses in training over like a five, six month period. And I feel very confident in crosses, but then, you know, maybe I haven't worked on one-on-ones or breakaways as much. So now like my form and that aspect of goalkeeping might not be as Mm. strong um, at the moment. um, So that's, that's exactly like where I'm at. So we earlier in the year, um, I was struggling with crosses. Um, I was very hesitant to come out. I couldn't really read them too well. Um, but all we did, I mean, every single training session, we'd spend five to 10 minutes just hitting crosses. And it was varying the service. So it's either deeper, you know, from closer to midfield, just early swinging it in, swinging it out. And then we'd hit some corners. But that was every single session. So at the moment, I think. Um, I think it's a little like, yeah, probably more so timing through balls and whether or not to go out on a through ball Mm -hmm. would be um, an area like right now that I think in the off season I need to address. Um, But that I, that happens with goalkeeping too, is like you get so stuck in one situation, like maybe you let a bad goal and that's exactly what happened. The first game of the fall season, um, it was a, ball kind of swung behind our back line and it was kind of in lingo like if I would have anticipated it a little more I probably could have cut it out or met the striker kind of right there where I was um, challenging him a little more but what happened was he got behind the back line the back line kind of froze because it was a really good ball kind of left us both like are they gonna go am I gonna go um and I I decided to sit, he took a touch and then I came out and he tapped it right by me. So after that, like literally, when I tell you every single session in the fall revolved around crossing at some point, mm. like it was, we'd spend, if we had 30 minutes, we'd spend 15 minutes doing whatever, getting handling, getting some footwork in. Um, and then the coach, I mean, he's very respectful of me. Like he, he was just kind of, whatever you guys want to do, um, we're going to work on it. And every time it was like, let's do crosses. So definitely improve that aspect of it. And like coming, I mean, going into the last game of the season, I was very confident, like coming out for balls and everything. So that's. That's one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sean, and I mean, Sean and I um, are big proponents of this thing that's called extreme ownership, essentially kind of i guess taking fault in a way of everything as a chance to learn so everything you can come back to okay what could i have done better in this situation 
I think mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing applied to a keeper because, I mean, there are some goals that obviously you think you could get back. Some are yeah. a little outside of your your power in terms of, you know, a ball gets kind of played across and it's a tap in. You know, this is something you couldn't do square. You know that FIFA that FIFA square yeah, yeah, ball. Yeah. Sweaty. One of these things. <laughs> I mean, so how do you approach it with in terms of, you know, when a goal when you let in a goal and kind of analyzing it, do you look at in each situation, what could you do better? Always. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very, this is probably where I tend to be very hard on myself um, as a goalkeeper, just because, I mean, I set myself, my standards very high. Like I, if I can, I want a clean sheet every single game, regardless of, you know, the situation, regardless of whether or not my center back's giving up the goal, like, and handing it to them for a breakaway. I, I still think I'm capable of making that save. Um, so yeah, every, every single goal, um, uh, I guess I'll break it down in game and then after the game. So in the game, it's, you know, obviously you have to get over it real quick. So in the game, it's, you know, maybe they scored, so we'll go back to the one goal with the cross, like scored on me. I knew kind of in that moment, like exactly what I could have done better. Um, so it's like, you kind of put that in your memory bank, but then stow it away for the rest of the game. So you don't really think about it, but you say, okay, I know what happened there. And I know probably what I could have done better. I'm going to shake this one off. I have my own kind of routine where I take a deep breath. Um, and kind of throw everything off of me and then turn around to the game and I'm back in it. So it's real quick for me. It's probably a matter of 15 seconds where like, I think about it, maybe get a drink of water. And then I look away from the field. I kind of close my eyes and then we're, we're on with it, you know? So it's, and I, I do that even like in game when I make a mistake, like if I get it to my feet and I maybe ping a ball wide or I kind of mishit it to a wide back over them or like kind of hit it a little more central give it away um then i'm kind of real quick to just kind of turn away from the game forget about it and then we move on so that's kind of my in-game tactic Mm -hmm. uh, for forgetting about it and then after the game i'll look at the goal probably five six sometimes 10 15 times over the next like week and it's like and then and then you're kind of analyzing it a little more like where was my positioning in that point and where could I have been? And then, you know, when he took the touch, maybe I could have been there or maybe I beat him to the ball. And those are like all things that kind of go through my head. And that's stuff that we'll talk about at training. Like usually the first training back is, you know, what do you, I'll kind of get the other goalkeepers mindset on it. Like, what mm-hmm. do you think I could have done better? Like, let's, let's talk about it because like I said, we're a team and we want to prepare for the next week. So it's like, if, if the team looks at film and they say, okay, Nate's really bad at crosses. Like, let's just serve them in all day long. Like I need to be prepared for that for the next week. So then it's addressing that at the next session. Um, and then after that, maybe one or two sessions kind of working on it. And then it's, as long as I feel confident about it, about the situation moving forward, then I'm, I'm good. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of, that was, that was a lot but it's no, that's of, the reason that's a podcast. It's we love the yeah, long form answers yeah. for sure. So, I mean, another, another thing, um, staying on the keeper, man, diving into the head of a, 
of a keeper who yeah, self-proclaimed said, you know, they're different. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, this idea of pressure is, is a bit different from a field player to a keeper. And so, I mean, especially for me as a midfielder, if I make a mistake, unless it's I'm last man or something like this, my mistake can still be, you know, someone can append that and, and kind of make amends for that as a keeper, the pressure of making a mistake could cost the goal, could cost the game. Is that something that like ever enters your mind, whether it be pregame, during game? And I guess, how do you deal with pressure in general? Yeah. Um, yeah. To that point too, I heard, I heard Sean's playing six now. So, yeah. Yeah. so he Man. has a little more, he has a little more um, comfort. Freeway, with right? A little more freedom. Six. I heard yeah. that the other day. It's like, good for you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm moving away from the goalie. <laughs> uh, when i heard you say that i was like ah that, that must be nice like make a mistake yeah, it's a bit then, different you know yeah. i have a little more i have a little more cushion behind me right um and no i'm just i'm just messing but yeah but it, i mean it's the fact it's fact yeah it is because you also no, you you have people behind you to clean up your mess like dylan just said he's dylan's you know another position right. ahead of me so he uh he really doesn't have to answer versus yeah, dylan's just <laughs> freeing the ball if he gives it up you know yeah. Uh, I'm sprint. I'm sprinting to try and win it back because I hate making <laughs> mistakes. But yes, it's it's not life yeah. or death, which I think helps me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and it's a different it's a different type of pressure for every every sure. layer, you know, as you go up the field. For right. sure. I mean, yeah. So, how do I deal with pressure? I I mean, there, there's definitely feel the pressure all game long. Like when I when I come out for a cross, like I better catch the darn thing because you mm -hmm. know if i drop it which i have before my heart sinks and it's like all right hopefully my defender's there to clear it so you definitely feel the pressure but it's for me it, it it's kind of a lot of it's just mental a lot of it's mm -hmm. just going through the situations in my head kind of before the game i i do a lot of um visualization before games mm -hmm. so that's kind of that's what's helped me and I didn't start doing it until probably I was, what, 21, 22. Um, I got a sports psychologist working with us in school at Detroit Mercy. And he, he was big on the visualization and kind of being right in the mind. And once I started doing that, I mean, my game kind of accelerated. Mm -hmm. um, so big, big visualizer before games. And I kind of look at every single situation. Like I'll go back to big saves or big crosses. I'll I've made and I have my own little highlight reel in my head mm, um, and then I'll also like think about all the goals I've let in and I but the difference is like I, I don't view it as a goal in my head it's like I saved it so it's like the goal happened but like in the next situation I'm viewing the same thing but that time I get a touch on it or that right. time I'm coming out for the cross so it's it's all it's all mental for me so it's like you rectifying a save that you could have made in your opinion. Like you, yeah, you yeah, see it as it happened and then you see like, Oh, I saved it. So it's like you, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've never heard that. Yeah, that's really, that's cool. It's, it's kind of different. Um, I, it's kind of how I've found to like, I guess work on my mental strength. It's just like, like you said, rectifying those mistakes I've made or rectifying a situation where like, I think I could have saved it. So in my head, I am going to save it because we can all dream. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you definitely feel the pressure, but it, like in the end, it's it's all what you make of it. I think mm-hmm. is the biggest point for yeah. goalkeepers to think mm-hmm. about. It's like you're there's going to be pressure, but it's all what you make of it. And if you can kind of put aside, you know, any worry you have, and mm-hmm. however you want to do, whether it's visualization or whether it's you know just zoning everything and everyone out for 90 minutes like however you do it I think that's that's what's big in goalkeeping and the best goalkeepers I think are always going to be the ones that don't really think about that pressure at all Mm. yeah no it makes sense um I want to transition here a little bit into I mean you you enjoyed a very good college career I know you you won some awards you I'm sure you were the big man on campus walking around, but um, I want to focus a little bit more just on, you know, that transition from college and then thinking about playing professional. I mean, um, as I've mentioned, um, our paths crossed in Sweden together. I know we both did uh, soccer visa combines and showcases and things like this. So when did you feel it was your dream to play at the highest level that you could and then take us through that transition post-college into kind of finding opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think um, hmm. I've always wanted to be a pro. Like, honestly, I, I was I was 11, 12 years old. And when I when I first like really accepted that I was going to be a goalkeeper, um, I had maybe to a fault in some instances, I had a lot of people telling me that I had a lot of potential. So and I mean, I was. I was eating it all up back then. Like I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the best. And, um, you know, going into college and everything, it was just, I, I thought, you know, I could, I could do it and I wanted to do it, but there's years, there were years in college when I just kind of, I didn't know if it was for me. Like I didn't know how much I was actually going to appreciate the game as I got older and older. And, you know, I think honestly, a lot of it was, the pressure aspect of it like I I couldn't deal with the pressure and um yeah in college we I went to Detroit Mercy and um yeah my I got hurt my freshman year two weeks in the season in the preseason I went down for a breakaway the star striker went and kicked through the ball kicked right through my hand um Ah. so I, I fractured my knuckle um it's like my fourth metacarpal but yeah, I was out all season. So like I had a lot of time to just think during that period. And it was like, do I really want to do this? Maybe I'll just, you know, I was in a five-year program at school. So it was like, oh, well, I have my red shirt and I have, you know, five years, I get my degree and then we can, you know, I can go on and work and make money and, you know, do, do whatever I want. I was like, so it kind of works out perfect. And I kept going back and forth about whether or not I wanted to play throughout my college career. And then my redshirt junior year, I actually had, that was the first year when I did all the mental stuff. And I kind of, like I told you guys, like my career kind of just started accelerating Mm. and my performances were, I mean, a lot better than I even thought I was capable of in some instances. So it was good to see that growth. And after that year, like I was all about playing pro and then redshirt senior year came around and we didn't do, we, we did. Okay. We made it to the tournament loss in like the quarterfinal. Um, and I think if we would have won that, maybe I could have gotten a few more looks like okay. 
in for the draft. Um, mm -hmm. I did enter into the super draft. Um, I, my name obviously wasn't called. So at that point it was like, what, what am I going to do? Um, I had a job lined up with an accounting firm. Um, cause I took an internship during an off season. So I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do at that point. And I went to, have you guys heard of InfoSport? Did you guys know? Info I did InfoSport. Yeah. Dylan did it. I've did talked shit about it on this podcast before. Yeah, I did InfoSport. Maybe we went the same. I wait. What year did you go to InfoSport? Because I think I went the last. It would have been January 2016. You went. Yeah. January. Yeah, that was, was the last year. year I, I think there, they did Dylan. it. That's yeah. hilarious. We were I was that so funny. Okay. Oh, it was a bunch of bullshit, wasn't it? yeah yeah <laughs> okay so so you're on the same page as me okay great but i want to hear i want to hear your experience on it because that's hilarious no, so the goalkeepers go like two days early for that two or three days early so we went to like a goalkeeper combine to, for two to three days which is i mean it was a good experience because you get to see you know these mls goalkeeper coaches in a mm -hmm. training environment so like mm -hmm. good experience and everything the one thing i'd say is like you could tell who these guys were looking at from the first day that you were there. Like they, they put the guys in groups, they split us up in the groups. And I was, I was with one of the better groups. I think there was a USL championship keeper there that was there for like in the league for one or two years. And then there were a few guys out of big schools um, that I could tell the coaches knew of already. I was coming from a small school, Detroit Mercy, like, going to they didn't know who I was they were just but I think my performance spoke for itself like they noticed me a little bit mm -hmm. but again like they knew who they were looking at they knew who they were interested in yeah. so come like all-star day you know you knew who was going to get picked I think I was probably right on the bubble mm -hmm. but once they picked the all-stars it's like okay you have no coaches at your next two games because no. they're just sitting at the all-star game right mm -hmm. so I, I kind of got turned off, honestly, from the industry a bit. Makes sense, yeah. that experience. Um, and I, I, after that, it was, it was very discouraging, like going into a combine, knowing you're, you're one of the top four keepers there. Like, and I, I knew I was capable of, you know, everything that these all, these all-star keepers were doing. I was like, I, I train better than them every single day, but that's, you know, that, I guess that's the game of opinions mm -hmm. is, is big. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. And I was, it was very discouraging. And I, I think I went to an open combine. Did I go that year? I don't think, I think I just bounced around emails to coaches and mm -hmm. um, didn't really get any interest in, again very discouraging because I, I was coming out with a pretty good resume my red shirt junior year what, what I was talking about with the mental thing and everything was the year I won goalkeeper of the year in the horizon league um also won defensive player of the year so I I, I thought I had a pretty good resume going into it um but yeah nothing really worked out so I ended up accepting my um accounting job went for my CPA license and everything and I played with Detroit City while they were in the NPSL that summer. So mm. fortunately they were training every evening. So I'd, I'd make it to two trainings a week with them. I think I played, I'd say at least half the games that summer. Mm -hmm. And then come the winter time, 
I was like, well, I had a good year. Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes. So I, I worked what for a year and a half up until 2017. And in November of 2017, I was like, it was after one more season of Detroit city. I was like, I, I need to keep playing. I have, I had been in the office world for a year and a half. And I was like, I need to get out of this because there's so much more to life and there's so yeah. much more to like playing soccer. Like I need to see where my career can go. Um, and that's when I got in touch with Joe at soccer visa. Uh, someone had referred me to them, um, to Joe. So I, I hopped on the phone with Joe, talked to him about the combines and everything and how it works and something about how Joe approached the, you know, how, how Joe approached the combine experience and, you know, he, he's a salesman too. So like he yeah. definitely told me his combine mm-hmm. and I went to a combine in December of 2017. And one of the things was it was a combine and then he would select like an all-star team to go on those yeah. ice trips or the Costa Rica mm-hmm. trip. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, he was the big selling point was like MVP gets a paid trip and the goal of, out of that was obviously to go play against these teams valor being being one of them i think i've heard you talk about that dylan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um in iceland i mean you're playing champion champions league qualifier teams um in costa rica we played a f- two two premier league teams and these teams are playing against sapresa who play in the champions league so it's like you're playing a very good team in front of scouts Mm -hmm. with the hope that you're going to get a trial so going into it I was like all right well I don't want to pay for that trip so I was like I'm just going to go ball out at the combine and um, see what happens and I I mean we did yeah we did this shooting drill that I don't know what was in me but I, I was just, I was lights out that day. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, I probably one of the best combined performances I have put together in a long time. Um, it's going to be a ever. documentary about it one day. Oh yeah. One day, like Joe, Joe is going to go on and say, Nate. Sign <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. Like to myself. And sometimes like, I'm sure you guys have had those moments. Like you look back at a performance, whether it be, you know, a training session, a combine or like a game. And you're just like, I don't know what was in me, but everything was clicking. Like everything was working. And that was kind of, it was a two day event. And it, that's kind of how I felt the entire two days. And um, I ended up getting that spot. So it was great. And I ended up going to Costa Rica in June of mm-hmm. it would have been June of 2018 because that was 2018 you guys were in Sweden yeah mm-hmm. Dylan you you had you had gone to Sweden in March correct like in March Easter weekend yeah, okay. yeah Easter oh. weekend everything was closed it was uh, yeah. a big um it's a big I guess we'll get into it right now because it was a big time of weighing expectations yeah. and reality so for you that transition I mean you balled you had a free trip to Costa Rica and then ultimately you come join us in Sweden yeah. and yeah, I mean, what were your expectations going into that? And then I, I, I mean, we've made some fun about it before. Some of the funny yeah. things that happened there, we can talk about that too. Yeah. So, so I think 
so nothing really came out of Costa Rica. We played, we played a few teams and, mm-hmm. you know, the goalkeeper coach was like, really liked me, but there wasn't any interest. And yeah, I'm obviously like, I'm a gringo. I don't speak Spanish mm-hmm. to, to fault. Like my, my father was born in Peru, South America, um, speaks fluent Spanish. So like to my fault, I didn't learn oh, Spanish and like trying to learn Spanish now, but it's a lot harder when you're older, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so nothing really happened in Costa Rica. We're sitting at the table for like one of our last meals and Joe's Joe pulls me aside. It's like, hey, nothing here, but I do have this team in Sweden that's looking for a goalkeeper. They're fighting for promotion. I think he said division four. I don't know if he said division four or fourth tier, but wh- however he said it, I took it as fourth tier. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I was like, yeah, I'm very interested. He's like, he's like, I think it's a good setup. I've already sent some players there. So like they're, they're balling out, they're scoring goals. Like all you need to go do is just not get scored on. You guys get promoted. I was like, okay, sounds like a deal. So I, I went home. He, he gave me, I think a week to think about it at home, mm-hmm. went home, researched it, quickly found out that it was not fourth tier. Cause I Googled the Google. There's the, the first expectations versus reality right there. <laughs> Grititan. So going into it, I Google the town. I'm like, oh, 800 people population. So like, that's <laughs> that's okay. But like, yeah. still, it hadn't hit me yet how small this town could be. So like, I'm I'm thinking going into it, okay, maybe you know, maybe they have a good setup. Like maybe it's a nice training environment. Maybe you know, I don't know, nice locker rooms or something. Like these guys. Going into it, I'm like, I'm going into a professional environment. Like, this is this is nice. Um, so I, I travel there, and you know, long day of travel. I'm on the bus coming into town, and I just remember pulling into the street and like looking around, and I was like, "No way, this is my stop," because I knew my stop was coming. And I was like, "No, no way, this is my stop." So the bus kind of pulls aside in this tiny little lot and again to like to this day the town did not seem that small even like while i was pulling in i was like oh i guess this is my stop so i get off the bus lo and behold kai standing right there and i don't know what what my what i was thinking of like who kai was gonna be but I just saw this guy with a big beard, you know, he had a, yeah, big beard, kind of longer hair. I just, he's like, Hey, Nate. And I was like, Oh, you must be, I think I, I think I said Kaj to start. Cause I didn't, I didn't it's know. KJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said Kaj. He's like, yeah, Kai, Kai with the Swedish accent. It's a little harder to understand at first. Oh, okay. So he, I hop in his, hop in this truck. We drive. I'm like, okay, so we're going to the apartment. So he's like, yeah, we got all the guys set up in an apartment. That's where you're going to live. So, okay. So we start driving. 30 seconds from the bus stop, he, he pulls to the side to this, like, little strip of apartments. He's like, all right, we're here. And I'm looking around, like, is he just joking with me? Or, like, because it, it, it doesn't look that big. I was like, okay. So we walk in, and the apartment's tiny. Dylan, I don't know how you guys did eight months, nine months. No I, I idea. Know. I have zero idea. But I walk in and 
Sean, there's there's six guys sitting on a futon and like I think two futons. Six guys crowded around two futons. One guy was on the floor, all with their shirts off because it's hot. It was like 75, 80 degrees. Playing, I think you guys were playing Fortnite at the time. It would make sense. So I'm walking yeah. in and Kai's just like, hey, here's Nate. And like that was the only living space. Like I'm telling you, 10 by 10 at the most. And then I look to the left and there's a bed there. Apparently there was a bedroom right there. You guys made Marcus's bedroom right there. And I was like, oh wow, this is yeah. So expectations versus reality. Like expectations. I was going in thinking I was gonna have my own bedroom, have my own space. The reality of it was <laughs> I was I was put in the same room as Patrick Sullivan. And we had a closet, maybe like two feet wide, to throw all your stuff in. That's two Good big boys in a very small room, too. Yeah, very small rooms. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, it was eye opener, I guess you could say eye opener in terms of like don't don't get your hopes up, regardless of where you're going. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I learned real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it brings back <laughs> memories already. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Some great, some not so great, but um well, it was sure. all yeah, some not so great, but like in the end, like what what an experience it was. Like you uh, truly we you know, you take some things for granted in life and like that was kind of one of the moments where I realized that it was like I take for granted that like I could be at home living in my own room, playing for like a Detroit City FC, which is probably a level higher than this security time it's like the sacrifice you make to try and get to where you want to go is what's also important on like that journey so i mean i've heard i've heard sean you talk about your mongolia days and it's like i i don't know how you did that like Uh, you could have done it compared to what some of your stories of was it was mongolia right yeah 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 Yeah, you could have done it too anyone can yeah so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just I mean, you guys you guys had to suffer in Sweden with only ketchup or barbecue sauce, not both. Yeah, ketchup sauce. So it. I came <laughs> I came the ketchup and barbecue sauce was like already a thing when I came there. And it was already a thing. So like I, I'm coming in and Dylan's making the grocery list. I think probably the day I was after, in charge of the grocery list, yeah. I I got there Friday. We played Saturday and we were putting the grocery list together. I think every Sunday, was it, Dylan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So Dylan's going around asking everyone. And, like, I think someone made a comment, like, do you want ketchup or barbecue sauce? And I looked at everyone. Like, I thought you guys were kidding. Like, I don't know, both. But if <laughs> we're making mean? food all week, let's just get both. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it was just, like, he only came with one of them. And I was like, wait, that was, that was a real thing. Like, <laughs> some it's it's crazy so what some people are you know they died on that hill for you could only get one comment condiment I mean, it's meet, just crazy meet tuesdays meet tuesdays oh meet order. tuesdays drop off the meat yeah. at the house yeah meat yeah every tuesday God, this is crazy drop off the frozen meat mm-hmm. you get you get a pound pound of bacon two pounds yeah. three pounds of bacon whatever whatever they could fit in this big old bag yeah they throw that in the freezer yeah Pound beef we get the ground beef, frozen ground beef, just thrown in the freezer. Yeah. yeah. That's the Pat Sullivan ground beef memorial. <laughs> Always you only more. get one. 
yeah, one, what, two dozen eggs. So we oh, yeah. we limited ourselves to what two eggs per person for the week or something like that. That's crazy. I don't know if it was two per week, but it was something that was like this shouldn't be a thing. And then also bread. bread. We had to limit the amount of bread slices you got. Limited like rationing eggs and yeah. bread. It was crazy. You guys going out picking berries just to I mean, to at fill some at one point, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you were I don't know if you were there when the when the shower broke. Were you there when the shower broke? I can't no, remember right. it was before you. Oh yeah. I wasn't there when the shower broke, but yeah there's a there's a lot that there's a lot that goes into it (laughs) but now i know why you guys were always showering at like the local gym the holly force gym we grew accustomed to it you know when you start showering abroad you know we developed a taste for it that was the play i went to the gym and i was like this is a nice shower here a lot nicer than what we had oh it was much better little Um, tub we had that you could slip in or fall yeah that was (laughs) That was crazy. It was a it was a safety hazard for sure. Um, you mentioned the meat Tuesdays. I thought this was a funny thing. Was uh, um, one of our, the players that played with us with us there, Marcus. So he yeah. mistaken the guy who would bring the meat on Tuesdays was actually yeah. the owner of the club, and and Marcus mm. would always call him the meat man, not having any idea that he was the owner. And I think he like said something at one point too, like the meat man, and they were like. They're like, you know, that's the owner of the club, right? Like, no, no one really had any idea. Like this, we thought this guy was responsible for the meat and the meat only. Responsible yeah. for all of it, the whole thing, the whole thing. Everything, everything for putting us up in that apartment, for providing the meat. Mm-hmm. Later found out he paid all the grocery bills. I mean, that, what else can you ask? No, for, yeah. I mean, for definitely for ketchup and barbecue sauce, we could definitely ask for both. Yeah. Although we won't yeah, receive it. You know. Yeah. But got to pay it in I mean, that. Of course. All of these things, though, I mean, it's so funny to laugh about now. But yeah. one of the things I think, and I'd, I'm sure you'll agree, is, is the best thing. One of the best things that, was, that came out of it was, like, the trainings that we would do together. So I know me and Julian would, like, say, can we shoot on you? And we go there for, like, two hours on an off day and shoot. And, you know, my shooting wasn't as good back in the day. So Nate definitely... Definitely had the upper hand on me, but I mean, what can you say to like just the the camaraderie that we all formed there from the Americans, even to the Swedish and the other foreigners that were there. And then, you know, kind of spending that year abroad, focusing in on soccer for once and focusing on getting better. And that really all there was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Like that was, that was all we had. We didn't, we didn't live in a big city where you could, you know, go and grab coffee anywhere you wanted or you know you you couldn't really walk around you you could walk maybe 10 minutes down the road but then you'd be in the middle of nowhere and so it was we're in the lake knee deep in the lake or you'd be in the lake right oh yeah it was it was it was a great experience in terms of like working on your craft day in and day out like that was all you focused on I mean we'd wake up in the morning we'd either go lift or go to the field and knock it around. And we'd play rondos for two to three hours a day. Like no exaggeration. We'd be out there some days, what, three hours, Dylan. And we'd look at the time and be like, Oh, it's uh, eight o'clock at night in July. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. still bright because it's mm-hmm. Sweden. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the first day I got there, Stafford comes in at 1130 at night. I'm unpacking my stuff. He comes into my room. He's like, Hey, we're going to the field we're going to shoot on you. 
oh, okay, 11.30 at night. And we got done, I think, 1 o'clock in the morning, and it's still light out. Amazing. It was crazy. But, yeah, Sick. like, that that was amazing, just, like, being able to train every single day, like, and have guys that want to get better, and everyone wants to get better. Everyone wants to help each other. And playing rondos or you guys shooting at me or, like, you guys doing your own thing while I'm, you know, while Stafford goes and shoots on me a little extra, like it, it all worked out for us. Like it was, it was a, regardless of like our living arrangement, I think the setup was exactly what we needed in that moment. You know, like we didn't need, we didn't need to be put up in a really nice place, like, and be, you know, I don't know, be showered with a good experience. Like we needed to, get dirty and just grind for a year and I mean that's what that's what I needed um and that's I'll attest to the fact that like that is probably the only reason I'm still playing like my experience in Sweden just like knowing like what I put up with and like the work I had to put in just to survive um it's like that that's that's why I'm still playing today like I knowing that and the the work I put in during that year has helped me tremendously like get to where I am. So yeah, it, it was, it was great just being able to knock it around every day. Like you, you, you fall, I fell back in love with the game again. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Well, all jokes aside with like, you know, it's ridiculous living conditions and you can only get ketchup or barbecue sauce, but yeah, I think the value of going into a situation like that, outside of your your country uh yeah. so that's uncomfortable in itself and then it kind of humbles you it brings you it puts your feet back on the ground and says okay. you know despite the level you guys were much better than the level it puts you in that environment where like you said you fell back in love with the game mm-hmm. even though from the outside looking in it looks like you know a, a terrible living condition say in mongolia you know what am i doing here but it it really kind of resets you even though you didn't think you needed a, a reset it changes your mindset some way. And now how important do you think that is for players to, to leave the country and go into a situation, not just like this, but just to get out of their comfort zone and experience things that they never thought they needed to experience. Yeah. I think that's, I think, I think you don't realize how important it is for you until you experience it. Like, I don't, I don't think you, you realize what you have here or like what you have like here in the States until you go and see what the culture is like somewhere else. So like that, and it's different for everyone. Like you, you could leave a situation in the States and go somewhere else, you know, play for a league two team. And like, you could have a setup that's very similar to what we had in Gritjitan, but like, but yeah, like leaving your comfort zone, I think, I think is what's important in that, like leaving your comfort zone, finding yourself and like finding you as a player, like what you really want to be as a player. Mm -hmm. um and then kind of making your move from there because you know it's not it's not for everyone and like maybe you need a you need an experience like that to realize like i'm i'm not about the grind you know like Mm -hmm. it was it was a great experience you know we we won the league but like maybe in the end like i'm i'm not really about it and it like i'll take it with me but you know, maybe I'll just take what I learned into like my next phase of life. And that, that could happen with a lot of people. You see, I mean, you see it sometimes guys go and then nothing really happens. I mean, Mm -hmm. almost what happened with me, 
honestly, you know, I went to Sweden, nothing really came. And, you know, I, I was ready to move on to my next phase in life. And, you know, everything just kind of falls into place. But um, experiencing that is so important just for like, not even just as a soccer player, but like for your personal growth. And I think like mm-hmm. a test to you too, like what you guys have done is like, that's, that's amazing. Like I, I admire that about you guys. Like you guys have got up and left and that's, that's impressive. Like good for you guys. And yeah, just a shout out to you. Like keep going. Thank you, man. Because I, appreciate, I know, it's, appreciate that. know it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, to kind of for, for Sean and I both, I kind of, it seems familiar in some of the things you're saying where like after some of these things happened, things just started to fall into place. And then yeah. we didn't necessarily see it as much as like this, like, so I remember, I remember going to Australia and thinking like, this is crazy. And then each time I kind of did it, it just seemed less and less crazy and more like something that was just falling into place, like all the pieces, you yeah. know? So, yeah. I mean, with you going after Sweden, you said nothing really materialized and you were, ready to transition into that next part of your life so what kind of happened during this period yeah so we won the league in sweden and you know i was i was on my high horse like coming home like oh you know we're gonna get you know like did you ever get your medal i never got my 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 league medal i got my medal it's somewhere oh i don't have it right here at my desk Uh, but i'm gonna have to send a picture we'll get it yeah thank you yeah um but yeah no like when when we say it's small dylan it's like smaller than my thumb like it, it's oh my like, god it's like a quarter it's a yeah about a quarter <laughs> metal oh so, yeah it's yeah, a, a metal it's literally yeah. just a piece of metal it doesn't say yeah. anything on it. <laughs> it's just a piece of random scrap metal division four Udubu. but yeah <laughs> coming coming home from Gurititan, i was like you know there's no chance i don't get picked up by another team in europe like that was my goal coming out originally like I ended up going to going to Iceland with soccer visa after that. Um, and, you know, I, I had a lot of interest from the goalkeeper. Again, the goalkeeper coach that was there, he was at the time, he was the goalkeeper for Breitablik, um, Guli. And he was, he's like an Icelandic legend. Like he played for Iceland. He's played against Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo, had quite the career. And he was coming close to retirement really liked me um and it was when we were there we were leaving the tuesday before thanksgiving so like today we would have been leaving iceland so we played against you know vestry we played against valor um i had good showings every game but nothing really materialized while i was there um we got a call as we were going to the airport as joe's going to the airport to drop me and some other guys off he gets a call from Gooley saying from was interested in looking at me um but they weren't going to pay for anything and like I was already kind of paying for quite a bit just to be in Iceland and I mean I'll be honest like some it came to the point where like I cannot afford to stay any longer like I'm sorry but I, I really wish I could but personally I couldn't I couldn't pay any more to stay and with Thanksgiving and everything, it was like, I'm going to have to pay the holiday rates to push the flight and all that aside, nothing really worked out in Iceland. Um, I waited for a few months, like for something else, maybe a lower team um, from at the time was division one. I think they just got promoted to the um, Premier League there. Um, but yeah, I waited for, you know, 
up until I think January, nothing really materialized mm -hmm. in Europe. So I, I kind of set my sights a little more in the States, went to Colorado switchbacks, open tryout. Um, and then I went to a closed combine with that new Lansing Ignite team. Um, and again, from those, like nothing really materialized into like, we want to sign you. So again, like you go, I, I went from winning the league being, you know, on my high horse, like so proud of this accomplishment to reality. It's like, I'm just not going to get a handout. Like I'm going to have to put in some work and, and it got to the point, like I, Katie, my now wife and I were pretty serious at the time, you know, the Sweden three months away in Sweden was tough. And she kind of wanted us to set something in stone. Um, and it, it got to the point where like, nothing materialized and I was like I'm just gonna you know, maybe go back to work and see what comes of it like let's just set roots down I I was planning on proposing to her so I proposed in May it was May of 2019 so like big big moment in my life like I was you know soccer I was like you know what it's okay like I I, I accepted that nothing was going to happen for that year mm -hmm. I was like, you know what let's focus on me and like my relationship, like I know what I want. And so proposed to her in May and we, yeah, I mean, from there, it was just kind of seeing where everything went. I went back to work as a CPA, um, mm -hmm. went back to an office job and I, I did that for, cause Detroit city had just brought in a new coach who's still there, Trevor James. They brought him in that March. So I had met with him and he was going to keep me on as like a player. But during the NPSL season, I wasn't going to be able to play train with them every day because they were training in the morning and he was bringing in college guys. He said, you know, I'm going to play the college guys because they're here every day. Um, if you if you still want to be a part of it, you can. And whenever you make training, you make training. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. Like if, as long as I can keep playing in some capacity, mm -hmm. I was happy at that point. And that fall, um, the fall of 2019 was when that NPSL Members Cup, that they were talking about the NPSL Pro and then all of these other leagues that were starting up and mm -hmm. NASL was folding. Um, so come the fall, when all the college kids went back, Detroit City obviously needed a goalkeeper. So Trevor James kind of, Trevor got on the phone with me. Um, we, we chatted for a little bit. I was like, look, like I have this job, full-time job. Like I, I can't just leave in the mornings to train. Um, and we were going back and forth. He couldn't find a keeper. And he called me one day. It was like, what, what can you do? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what do you, what do you want? And he's like, can you, I don't know, train at all. And, you know, I, I started thinking, I was like, you know what, like this might be my opportunity to kind of keep it alive. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just randomly, I, I, I just thought, I was like, you know what, just give this a shot. I was like, Trev, what about like, if I were to train once a week and play on the weekends, like I'll give you one day a week, if my employer allows me to train one day a week and it would be from like 10 to 1230. So in essence, it's like, I would take a long lunch. And this is how I, this is how I sold it to my boss. I, I said, long you know, lunch. yeah. So, so I, I work, I work every day and Thursdays was the day. So I said, Thursdays, I'll work remote 
you know, I'll log on a little earlier, take a, take a long lunch, and then I'll work a little later, make up my hours, whatever I need to do that one day, I'll make it up. But I, I said, this is what I really want to do. And it helped. I was, I was good at my job. So they said, you know, you, you're doing good. Like, if this is what you want, we can make it work for the one day. And I remember the day that like that finally surfaced and like worked out. It was like, oh, like, here we go. This is my chance. And yeah, and NPSL Members Cup, we, we ended up winning that. Well, that was with when the Cosmos still had their team. The Cosmos were a good, like they, that was the team that had just dropped out of the NASL when the NASL folded. So really all these contracts were still there. Um, we had a really good team going into it. We ended up winning that whole thing. I think there were six teams. We played everyone twice. We won that. Um, and then going into, so 2020, it would have been 2020 was when the NISA league was starting. And I had, so I ended up switching employers to a smaller accounting firm with the idea moving forward that, you know, it's going to be a lot more flexible working for a small firm making these hours work with soccer and everything. Um, so yeah, fast forward to February of 2020, NISA, uh, get on the phone with Trevor James, um, talking about the next year and everything. And he's like, look, like we can try to do the same thing, but I might bring in a keeper that's going to be in every single day because, you know, I, I get that you, you can be available, but for the guys and for the chemistry, we want someone there every day. And I was like, that's perfectly fine. Like, just put me in the environment, keep me in the environment. And in my head, like, I didn't say this out loud, but in my head, it's like, I, I gained a sense of confidence from okay. moving, you know, from Gritetan and then successful in the Members' Cup. I was training once a week, so I, I was confident in what I could do. So in my head, I was thinking about the whole situation. I was like, you know what? Give me the chance and I'll, I'll, I'll prove to you that I, I should still be the starter. Like in that one day of training, I'm going to prove to you that I'm the starter here. So it was, it, it took a lot. Like I, and juggling like the schedules and everything, it was, was tough at first, but like I got in the groove of things and going through my first tax season with this employer, but also playing at the same time. Um, and then COVID hits. So February, we played one game. February, he, I wasn't the starter for that game. Um, he played the other keeper for, I mean, the other keeper was there all preseason, which I understood, you know, play the other keeper. And then COVID hits. Completely shuts down our league until like the fall. So it was all in lingo. I was working remote with my employer. Whenever we started training again, I was training once a week. And then the fall, that fall, I ended up getting married. And Nisa did this bubble tournament. I'm sure you guys saw a little bit yeah. about that mm -hmm. fall. Change. That was on BN too, wasn't it? That was on BN, yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, that was on BN. So I played in the fall, like mini league. They had, I think everyone played three or four games. I played two or three out of the three or four games, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the bubble, they weren't going to allow players, even if we were local, to go into the bubble and to come out of the bubble. And my wedding happened to be like smack dab middle of the bubble, the bubble. turn. Oh my god! So I was like, I was like, well, I can't, I can't do that. So we ended up bringing in um, Gene Antoine was a, the goalkeeper that played. He's at Cal United now, but like, what a great guy to have in the training environment with me. Like me and him still to this day, like 
and I talk about like the the relationship you have with keepers. Like I still talk to the keepers that I've played with and trained with. Like Lucas Lucas Campelo in Brazil. Oh God, like I'll, yeah. I'll send him a message every now and then. Like I I just think the relationship that the relationship that you build with these like friends and training, you know, with the goalkeepers is is different than what you see in other positions. But um, yeah, so he ended up they went up winning the fall championship. He did really well. He got signed with Cal United from that, from his performances. He signed with Cal United. And um, so for 20, fast forward again, 2021, hop on the phone with Trevor James. And he, he finally, he, he's like, I don't know if we can keep doing this whole one training a week. And I was, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're starting to get to a higher level now. Like Nisa's yeah. going to be a full season. And this is before I talked to my boss. And maybe again to, to my fault, but I just wanted to play. So still on the same phone call before he even stops talking, I'm like, all right, well, what about two trainings a week? And he like kind of froze for a second. He's like, well, I, I think, I think we could do that. I, I think that might work. <laughs> two. Uh, two trainings a week. I was like, okay. So um, I want to play. I was like, look, I want to play whatever I can do to play. I'm going to do. So let me talk to my boss and see if I can do two trainings a week lo and behold it worked out and uh i mean this season has been probably my best season as a as a as a player um i mean it's been a lot i mean i got we got married in september um went on our honeymoon in december found out that we were pregnant um congrats by the way December. thank you congrats. thank you yeah yeah so this is like a life update too while we're going here um found out we were pregnant in december so like come i mean by the time i talked to trev i mean we knew we were pregnant and i was like look i still want to do this and we're going to make it work um and yeah it, what a year like we had the spring spring bubble in chattanooga spent two weeks down there in the middle of tax season i was working i would work in the hotel from like 8 a.m we trained maybe midday i get back and i'd probably be working in the hotel until like 10 p.m and That's it was crazy. Like, you were working in the hotel. That's crazy. Yeah. Working in the hotel, everything like the COVID might be one of the. I, blessing worst in best things. Yeah. Yeah. Worst, best things. I don't know. Blessing yeah. in disguise for COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happening. Because like a lot of what I do has been able to be remote now, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because, because of COVID. So yeah, it was, I was working remote down in Chattanooga for like what it was 15 days by the end of it in the middle of the busy season for my job and training whenever our team trained and everything. So it, it's a lot like I, I'm not going to lie. It, it, there were some days when I'd be up till midnight on my laptop falling asleep like. I'll just finish this tomorrow. <laughs> so, crazy, yeah, man. yeah and we, we did really well, so. As a team, we ended up winning the spring tournament. We won the, the NISA championship in July, and then we just won the fall championship. So we ended up clinching the fall championship with three games to go. So we, we, I, we won the table, I think, 45 points, and second place had 32 points. Oh, wow. Yeah, so 13 points, yeah. So, it was, I mean, we, we, we've, we've done really well. And mm -hmm. I like to say I, I played a part in that. So um, I would think so, man. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs>
I mean, it's a crazy thing, bro. You um, like the managing the time aspect. I think a lot of people struggle with this in any sense yeah. of, of daily life. I think COVID was a tough one too, to kind of stick to schedules and, you know, still be on it. But for you to balance all of these things, like what things helped you in this process? Or do you just like, do, when you look oh. back at it, are you kind of like, I don't know how I'm doing all of this, like marriage, kid, like CPA, accounting, professional soccer player. Like how did you balance, how do you balance these kinds of things together? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know something. Yeah. It's yeah. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Mm. Like pick one, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot. No, we actually like we got together as a team. Um, we celebrated our championship a couple of weeks back, and like the owners were there, and one of the owners pulled me aside and uh, very familiar with me. I mean, I've been local. You know, I've been a part of this club since it really started. Um, mm. So he he knows me pretty well um, on and off the field. Pulls me aside and he's like, "Hey, like your schedule." He's like, "You you must have." every single day like by the hour just like mapped out he's like he's like you i don't know what i don't know how you do it but he's like i don't even play and i just i just work and have the kid and it's like i don't know how i'm doing it he's like so it and like those moments are when like i i realize like how much i'm doing so mm -hmm. like, i guess in the moment it's like you don't you don't really think about it because for me it's like i'm honestly, like I'm doing what I love. Like I'm playing soccer. I'm able to play day in and day out, like week in, week out, I'm on the pitch. Like I'm, I'm performing. I have the opportunities to like play in front of the people that I want to see me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, you know, and I'm, I'm at home too. So like what makes it even better is like, I'm home playing in front, like my parents are at every single home game. Yeah. Uh, my, my siblings can come to the home games. Like my in-laws even come to the games every now and then like it's to be home and play in front of like people that know you and then mm -hmm. like be the local player that like all these youth kids are looking up to mm. it's like it's like that's honestly it's like surreal it's like this is this is where I want to be and like because of that like I don't really think about the sacrifices I'm making like time-wise and um I'll be honest, like my wife does a lot with the house and the, the baby, like props to her. Like she, she's, she's an all-star. Like she's mm -hmm. when, so the Noah is his name. Noah was born August 4th and we played a game in Orange County. We played Cal United on August 12th. Um, and I, I traveled for that game. Uh, 13th. But we played a home game on the sixth, sixth or seventh, and I played mm -hmm. in that game too. So it's like, and she like the whole time like she's it, it's it's tough in the moment, and like, you know we we've we've had our moments like it, it it's very hard, and like for her it's it's very hard to take care of the baby, as is. But mm -hmm. like for me leaving like it makes it that much harder. But but like she's been supportive of this the whole time, and like that, like having that support makes you makes you that much more like for me it makes it makes me able to do that much more and like yeah it's just it yeah it, it's like i'm kind of lost for words like in mm -hmm. the, with the support aspect of everything like from her and then the families like we live close to her parents mm -hmm. so they help with the baby a lot mm -hmm. so it's like having the support and the help and 
it all yeah it, it's like it it makes you feel that much better about what you're doing and mm-hmm. i think like to to circle that back into like this whole time management thing is like you can you can do it i think anyone can do it it's just a matter of like having the support behind you i think is says a lot so mm-hmm. yeah it's and like i said i'm i'm sitting here doing what i love and still trying to do it. I mean, next year they just announced that they're going USL championship. So hopefully, which is you amazing. Know, yeah, man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's wild. It's like, yeah, it, it's like, we just got promoted yeah. in the, the USL. So it, it, it's crazy, but yeah, like I said, doing what I love and hopefully, you know, for years to come, honestly. Mm-hmm. So before I touch on Detroit city, cause I do want to ask about the uh, USL and just Detroit city yeah. as a, as an amazing club. Um, I mean, I feel like you have to wear different caps during the day. If you've ever heard that expression, I might be making it up, but like, there's the dad cap, there's the, you know, the husband cap, there's the full-time worker cap. And then there's also like the, the player at Detroit city. So do you feel like it's tough to kind of put yourself all into one cap at one time? Do you find yourself like thinking about this? Like I'm at training, I have to think about work or think about, you know, or I'm with my, or I'm at, I'm at uh, training and I'm thinking about my kid, you know, like, do you feel that it's tough to kind of give your whole focus into one cap at that time? Uh, It can be. Yeah, it can be Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, when, so when I was before Noah was born, we were still training like all of July and we didn't know when the baby was going to come. So like every training I would hand my phone to our athletic trainer because like I wouldn't I wouldn't leave my phone in the car like I usually do because we drive from the locker room to training I wouldn't leave it in the car I I would bring my phone out hand it to the athletic trainer and every single time I would see her like pull out her phone in training I would like freeze like oh no is it my phone that she's pulling out or like what because I told Kate you just call me if you're Mm -hmm. going to the hospital like I will literally with my clothes like with my training clothes on I'll meet you there so in those moments yes it it was very difficult to like be all in soccer like when my mind's so kind of lost and like I'm about to be a dad um but now like with the baby and everything um yes it it can be difficult but at the same time I know I know what I'm going to come home to and it's Mm -hmm. like my wife and my kid after training so it's like I'm going to put everything I have into training and like I want to, it's gotten to the point now where like, I want to take my soccer career as far as I can while Mm -hmm. also like supporting this family. So like Mm -hmm. now it's more like, I'm going to work as hard as I can in training because I, because I know now like there's, there's another life I'm working for, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but I mean, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it now. And then I'll say like, to put to take the soccer hat off and then put like my accounting job hat on that transition can be difficult just because Mm -hmm. I love soccer so much and I'm like and I'm trying to accelerate my career in soccer Mm -hmm. because I know Mm -hmm. like the years are ticking Mm -hmm. um not as much because I'm a goalie and I'll play until I'm 45 so (laughs) true this is one of the perks yeah. yeah yeah it's uh yeah I mean that's the reality of it though like I I I know what I love and I know what I want to do. Um, but at the same time, like 
this accounting job is what's going to be more long-term. So I need to keep those skills like up to date too. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it, it can be difficult at times, but I mean, it's all about, like you said, managing that and mm -hmm. being able to kind of control that myself. Um, yeah, it, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, it's, it's not so bad when you're in it. I guess mm -hmm. like looking from the outside in, it looks absolutely nuts. Like I, I think crazy sometimes, but yeah. in the moment, it's like, I, I've, I've been able to manage it and I've had a lot of help and support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My wife's great. So that, mm -hmm. that makes life easier for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all good. And then, I mean, to keep it, to bring it back to Detroit city too, um, you've you've stayed loyal to this club in in a way i mean you you went abroad and came back and tried some other things but i mean can you just speak on what it is like that makes detroit city so special for i mean for our foreign listeners who may not know um it's just yeah, a it's yeah. it's a very i mean i've never been to a game and i hope that changes soon but you guys gotta come i've seen i've seen the videos and like i mean you guys hosted saint Pauli one year so our german listeners of course know Pauli and I mean, just the passion that the fans have and like the, the way that the club sets itself up from, from youth to, you know, equality wise and, and giving opportunities to all, it just seems super special. So, I mean, can you just touch on, on Detroit city for us? Yeah. So it started 2012. It started with five owners that didn't really know where the club was going to go. They just wanted like a men's team to support and they knew their friends wanted a men's team to support. Um, so they, they started this club, not really, again, not knowing where it could go or where the potential could be. Um, they started in the NPSL and from day one, like they were at a high school football stadium, they were getting 1500 fans first year, every game. Mm -hmm. And that was for the first three years, they were getting 1500 to 1700 fans, like every week in week out for an NPSL game you're talking like college kids just needing a team to play for in the summer mm -hmm. and I mean if you aren't on Detroit City like if you're on FC Buffalo like you're just coming to Detroit City for a game not really knowing what what to expect and then you have 1500 fans like throwing smoke like smoke yeah, bombs yeah. you got drums playing like it in terms of like the fan support from day one it's been such like a European feel yeah you got the smoke bombs. You got, I don't no pyro. There's been no fire. I, I maybe like early in, early in the. Yeah. But then, yeah, the camera starts <laughs> to turn on. So that, yeah, that, that kind of got knocked down. They got the drums. They got, I mean, these fans are chanting all game long. The only difference from the European aspect would be that like these fans at the beginning had no idea what the game of soccer was. They were just going out to like have a good time and sing and like, they knew what to root for. It was a community event at first, you know, it right. was like, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just a, an event to get your friends together and Hey, you know, you're going to have fun. You're going to just sing with us all game. And to this day, like at times, I think, I think some people still just come for the fan atmosphere, but like for us players, it's like, it doesn't matter because yeah, whatever it's like right. it's like if there's people in the stands you're gonna be fooled thinking that they're actually watching your game yeah. and i mean 50 percent that come that you know even if they don't come 
just to watch the game at some point they're going to watch the game so it's like right. and then they keep coming back because they realize how great how beautiful of a game soccer is so mm -hmm. um yeah i mean it, it's from the supporter side it's really cool so they ended up moving to a new stadium in 2016 um yeah 2016 because that was actually the same year we went to info sport so fast forward to may of 2016 they beat the Michigan Bucks in the U.S. Open Cup, and we're going down to Louisville. Um, and this is, I obviously didn't have a team, so the coach, he's now the head coach at Memphis, Ben Pierman. Um, he was the head coach at Detroit City for years. He ended up calling me the week that they beat Michigan Bucks and said that their goalie, who was Evan Loro, who's now at Tampa Bay Rowdies, mm. um, just won the Golden Glove in the USL. Mm. Um, so he was going back to Red Bulls for the summer. And he was like, we need a goalie to go down to Louisville in the U.S. Open Cup. And he's like, and then after that, we have our home opener at Keyworth Stadium, the first ever game where now the capacity is like 7,000, 8,000 fans. He's like, we don't know what we're expecting, but we're, we're expecting at least 4,000 fans to come to this game. He's like, if you want to be a part of this, like, let's do it. I was like, so, like, that, all you yeah, have to say is done. Fans, I'm in. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, they ended up playing, started in Keyworth. The first game, I think, had like 7,000 fans. And from then on, I mean, there's been the fall, the fall games are tough because you got college football and everything. Um, of course, yeah. Some summer games can be a little lighter, but I mean, when you're in the middle of the summer on a Saturday night, we'll probably get five to 6,000 fans. And Amazing talking at least 2,000 of them are on the supporter section screaming smoke bombs playing. it's amazing like, like such a European feel and it's it's really cool like I, I think a lot of people have, that have come and played at Detroit City that have had experiences like around the U.S. soccer environment they've said like this is like Keyworth Stadium is one of the best soccer atmospheres in the country so like that. For you two and like for anyone else listening, if you haven't checked it out, I would highly recommend checking it out. And like if anyone's listening to, you know, that's a part of the USL, like away days at Detroit City, that's going to be those those just put a star on the calendar. because yeah, those are gonna yeah, be yeah. Days For sure. No, that's great. I mean, it's such a cool thing, like the addition to the to the USL, I think it's just yeah. amazing. It's another thing that's very European for you guys is like. There's no promotion relegation in the U.S., but you guys are kind of like, I don't know, it's it, you guys have found a way to do it. I mean, in that yeah. sense, where you're making that next step from third tier, which is still technically professional to second tier, which is just like, you know, it's just another level. So, yeah. I mean, what are the differences around the club and like what is the energy around the club with this kind of move in, in, in you know, coming? Yeah, so I mean, you, you mentioned like the youth aspect of it too. Like, I think they've kind of been building this club now to like what it is today. So like they, they started the youth aspect of it a couple of years ago and now they're developing this youth academy system. And I think all of that has kind of lined up to like this year. And there's, I mean, I, I'm not gonna get started with like the rumors of NISA as a league. I mean, if, if you're somewhat involved in lower league soccer, I'm sure you've heard some rumors. Um, but there's for for the club, I think they just wanted to find a very sustainable league with a very high level. Mm -hmm. um, I think in the USL championship, you get that. 
Um, I don't know how long the club's been kind of talking about the move with the league, um, but there's there's been rumors before and they kind of surfaced again this year. And sure enough, I mean, it, it's it's happening. So, um, but like the whole energy around the club over the last year has kind of been like, we're going to be the big club of Michigan. Like we're going to be the, you know, Detroit soccer club and they've kind of established that like made a footprint around Metro Detroit um, I mean you drive I'm more on the east side of Detroit but like if you drive 45 minutes west of me I mean you're, you're gonna find a youth club Detroit City FC if you drive half hour south of where I'm at right now you're gonna find Detroit City FC youth club like wow. it, it's 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 wow. really cool what they're building um, and and it's I, I think what they've done in that aspect has started to like develop this youth fan base mm-hmm. that now they have something to aspire to. Like these players, mm-hmm. they wear they wear our crest, they wear the same kit that we do. And it's like, but then they come to our games like that's what I could be mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. And for me, like as a local, I think it I think it makes it that much better for me because mm-hmm. now like I can speak to my experience as a local player. And like where I came up playing and like where I grew up playing and like mm-hmm. for them to some of the parents to know that I kind of grew up here and then for the kids to like learn that about me and like I it, it's just it, it's a really cool dynamic. Um, but yeah, and then the, ener- the energy around the club with the USL coming up is like it's it's exciting. Like I spoke to the players earlier in this podcast, like there's a lot of uncertainty with player contracts and everything, but that's, that's going to happen anywhere you go. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you're going up a league, like you get promoted in Europe, you know, half the roster might not stay and that's the reality of it. So, yeah. um, but the energy in terms of like the ownership and the front office is like, you can tell you, you could tell something was brewing okay. all summer mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're bringing in a ticket sales guy that worked with the Detroit Tigers of the MLB. So it's like, you're bringing in someone like that. You have big aspirations to like mm-hmm. bring in a lot of fans. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. It, it's an exciting time to be just involved in soccer in Michigan. It's mm-hmm. an exciting time to be like involved with club, whether it be a player or a supporter or, or, a, or an owner, because mm-hmm. now they have who knows how many owners, thousands yeah. and thousands of owners with mm-hmm. their, their funding that they did last year and it, it you know like for me being all of that from the area and a player and like you know it it's it's incredible it's kind of surreal to see this club grow to what it is um but yeah it's it's great very i can only imagine all the opportunities i've been given honestly yeah. i can really only imagine to like like i mean how we mentioned in the earlier parts like how kind of everything fell into place and now yeah. you have how you see it as all of these blessings and things like this. And then even to connect it, I, I love the point that it's so interesting, this pathway that, I mean, the club is created in Detroit, like yeah. that's gotta be so ne- unique, especially in cities and across America. I mean, there's always like 10 different clubs in one area or something like this. Yeah. And to attach all of that in this one area and you kind of being a part of it where, you're seen as a role model in that path through someone who grew up in Detroit and then, mm-hmm. you know, followed the club into, you know, the USL has just got to be such a surreal feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. It's, it's surreal. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful. Like this club kind of gave me an opportunity to train with the team 
back mm-hmm. in, in 2012 when they first started. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I've kind of ha- had that relationship with the club ever since. Like, obviously I went on the hiatus and played for a couple other clubs between 2012 to 2016 when we went to that new stadium. But like, like always knew they were there. And you were just flirting with other clubs, but you were always, with other clubs. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're always just, held down yeah, to Detroit. Playing the field a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, my heart's with the club, honestly, now, like I've, I've, and I've thought about it a lot over the last week or so, just because, because of the move and because of, you know, I don't know what next year is going to bring. I mean, my goal is to play, um, but you know, like me, like growing as a person and as a player over the last five years, and then like seeing this club grow kind of as a club and like establish itself as like a really big club and America mm-hmm. is like it, it's it's really cool. Like I've I've grown with the club and mm-hmm. as a person and as a player. So that's 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 kind of I mean it, it's surreal. I'm lost yeah. for words because it's it's just exciting. Like I'm I'm really yeah. excited to see what next year brings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, amazing. Don't lose your words yet because we still have one more yeah. question for you. Right, so right. um, we're we love this phrase. Um, it's kind of like I guess you would say the motto of footwork is that make your own path. So essentially, you know, kind of building what's unique to you, following your own dreams, no matter what, you know, society or what the, you know, the road may look like. And um, for, from your story, I mean, there's no doubt that you've made your own path. So, I mean, what does that mean to you and how do you feel that you truly made your own path in this, in this world? Yeah, I think, I think Sean spoke to it a little bit earlier, like stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I was comfortable um, here and like, I probably could have just stayed with Detroit city and played on the MPSL team back in 2018 when I got the opportunity in Sweden. Um, but it's like, I, I took that chance on myself. And like, I think the biggest thing is stepping out of your comfort zone, but at the same time, like taking, taking a risk and taking a chance on yourself, like gamble on yourself a little bit because mm-hmm. only, you know, what you're capable of really, mm-hmm. like regardless of what anyone, anyone else tells you, like only, you know, and it, it takes, stepping out of your comfort zone and and getting to the point of like no return to realize like what your potential could be Mm -hmm. I think me the biggest thing the biggest example of that for me would have been like my move to Sweden like we talked about expectations versus realities like that that all set aside like I think just being in the environment and like day in day out working on my craft I think that's definitely like I'll say it again. Like, that's the only reason to this day I'm still playing because I, because I know what it takes and I know what I've put into this game and what I've put into like just my growth as a person. Like it. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, step out of your comfort zone because you know, you, you don't know what you're capable of and until there's no, you know, there's no return. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well said. Um, Nate, it's been a pleasure. I know you got to, Maybe put on, take off the podcast hat, put on a new hat right after. Yeah, this. I gotta so, put on uh, my accounting hat again for the day. We appreciate all the time, man. It was just no. It was, okay. uh, I, I appreciate you guys. I've, I've listened to a few episodes. Uh, I'm, you guys have done a great job, and like I said, like props to you too. Like, you guys are living in Germany, following the dream, like grinding it out there. Like, I, I hope to see you guys move up and like see you in three Liga one day and two Bundesliga. Like, hopefully, just keep keep Us doing too. it. Us too, man. Thank you so much.
Yeah, Sean, good luck with the six. I know, you know, you're in that <laughs> position. So a little more yeah. mistakes maybe are you're able to make. But, hey, you got your back line and the goalkeeper behind yeah. you. Yeah. Dylan, keep scoring goals, man. Yeah. We'll see. And we're, we're both excited for you. I'm very yeah. excited hey, to see what happens Hey, Dylan, this take care of your injury too, man. I'm sorry to hear about that. Hey, man, it happens. You know it. So, yeah. Yeah. Little time. Step away. Yeah. I'll, I'll conquer the no mental doubt. side too. Yeah. No doubt. Work on that mental side. That's big. Hey, but really, guys, thank you for having me. I appreciate all the time that you guys spent. And, you know, I, yeah, so it, it's been great. Thank nice you, man. Catching up with you guys. I appreciate Love it. Yeah, you. of course. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves. Also, Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at footwork podcast. YouTube and Facebook, just check out Footwork Podcast, search it. Email us if you need anything, any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, plug, plug, pass. Tell your parents, Amazon delivery guy, mailman, I don't know who, just tell them. Like, subscribe, review, all of it helps. Danke.